How's everybody doing this morning? I'm already having fun. I don't know about you all. Spirit of the Lord is here. I'm just like, whew, we, just, we could have kept going. I don't know about y'all, but I love it um, how we've, I don't know, we just, I feel like as a family, we're coming to a place where we're getting a little more comfortable, maybe in the presence of God, and uh, it's fun to see, see us grow. I think that's the beautiful thing about family, right, is that we get more and more comfortable in each other's presence. We get a little freer to be ourselves before the Lord, and, um, and that, that unashamed, that um, hunger for the Lord, it it causes darkness to flee. And uh, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, we'll talk about this this morning, is that he, he unifies the bride. And so when Jesus prayed in, in chapter 17 that, that the bride would be one, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's one of his roles. If you're, if you're a theological nerd and you like to study uh, and you look at the Holy Spirit, well, one of the roles is he unifies the bride. He unifies the church. And that's his work. And so it's happening on a global level. Um, I, was, I got the privilege. Um, some of you know, some of you don't. It's okay. I just got the privilege of, of heading to the Middle East with a team of people. Um, it was a seven-day trip. It was a blitz. 20 hours there, 20 hours back. Uh, we were about five, six days out on the ground, and we participated in a, um, a 50-hour prayer strike, if you will. So for 50 hours, there's 15 houses of prayer, and a house of prayer is just, uh, it's basically night and day prayer and worship is going before the Lord. So musicians, singers, um, it's the Tent of David. So if you're not familiar with the Tent of David, go to Chronicles 16, uh, look up uh, Psalm 132. David's vow was before the Lord that there would be worship and prayer going before him at all times. So the Levitical priesthood was set up and that's all they did. Like they were paid to play and sing before the Lord. That's what they did. They ministered to the Lord night and day, day and night. So there's about 15 houses of prayer uh, throughout this region. And uh, we're talking um, all kinds of countries throughout the Middle East. You name a country in the Middle East, there was a house of prayer that was lifting up praise for 50 hours straight. And they were asking for God to come in power. And right now, Ramadan started about five days ago, and there was a specific prayer focus that during Ramadan, as Islamic uh, Muslims crying out to, to Allah, they want, they want a revelation, they want dreams, they're asking for dreams and visions during this season, they're fasting. They're, uh, and we were asking the Holy Spirit to meet them in that place because there's a hunger there. And so all throughout the Middle East, uh, it's continuing to, to see a, a outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a greater measure. And, uh, and um, there's some awesome stories that were told um, about Jesus showing up in dreams and visions uh, to these people. And he'd have uh, holes in his, in his hands and he'd have a, a wound in his side and he'd be glowing and white. And he would speak to a person and he would, he would call them. He would give them a place to go and they would show up and uh, it would be the house, the house of prayer. And so they would say, hey, I had this vision. Can you tell me about it? And they're like, well, that's, let me tell you about Jesus. So talk about the Holy Spirit making it easy to evangelize. I mean, come on, right? Holy Spirit meeting people in their dreams and visions um, with, with the, crucif the, the crucified and risen king. That's the beautiful thing, right? We, we worship a risen king. He's alive, right? He's not dead in the grave. Um, that's the differentiating factor of, of what we believe. So these, these hops, we'll call them hops, houses of prayer, hops, are being established up in the least. We participated in a 50-hour prayer strike and we're focused on the outreach, on, on the unreached people groups. So if you're not familiar with unreached people groups, um, think, uh, there's, like, there's this thing called the 1040 window. So if you go north of the equator by 10 degrees and then 40 degrees, and then you go basically from Morocco to Japan, you get this rectangle. And within that rectangle, there's about two-thirds of the world's population. We're talking like 4 billion-plus people, right? Because you think northern India, you've got China in there. Uh, you've got Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran. And about 
61 to 70% of those people that live in there, there's about 7,000 people groups that have never heard the gospel and have never had a witness of Jesus Christ there. So we're talking 2.3 billion people that have never heard about Jesus. And so that's what we were praying into. And so that's, I'm kind of, I may be educating some of you. Some of you may be just amening me right now. That's okay. Um, but I just want us to know that there are people who've never heard the gospel. They've never had a witness of Jesus Christ. And, um, and so one of the countries we visited, um, there's about 10,000 Christians in a nation of about 87 million people. That's like, that's not even, that's like less than, like, I don't even know what that is percentage-wise, but it's not even like on the radar. And so this house of prayer Throughout COVID, they've seen unprecedented salvations. People are searching, and Islam doesn't have the answers. They don't, it doesn't have the answers. These, these families, and, and you got to understand, Islam, uh, it's cultural. It's not just like a religion, it's culture. So for you to leave um, your belief in religious system of Islam, you are leaving your culture. Um, there's an aspect of danger, uh, life-threatening, honestly, and, uh, and the Lord is so gracious and kind because he reveals, we had this story of this girl who had started coming to this church and she just, um, she was, she got linked in with a, a couple of people who knew Jesus and were following Jesus. And as she began to be around them, um, she began to attend a Bible study. She was interested. Um, she's one of 21 children. Um, think about that for a second. Um, husband, two wives, 21 children. Um, interesting situation. And so she begins to fellowship and uh, in this fellowship, the Lord visits her twice in dreams. The first one is he's at the table serving food to everybody at the church. And she's in the back of the line. And he says to her, come up front. And he serves her, get this, lamb. Whew. Right? Because he's the lamb that was slain. And then she has this other dream. And this, the second dream is she's, she's picking fruit with everybody that's a part of this church. And she's like filling up her basket full of fruit. And all of a sudden she takes this fruit and she dumps it into a stream and it goes throughout the area to other people that she knows. And, and it was like the Lord is, is calling her. One, come eat of me. Two, you're going to be fruitful and I'm going to use you, which means there's an element of security in that, right? Because the moment she says yes to Jesus, her life is on the line because her family potentially and it's like this a lot at places, would, would, would kill her if they found out. And so that's the kind of world that Jesus is advancing his kingdom in. And, uh, and we know that he does that through prayer and through worship and through singing. Because night and day, day and night, I'll tell you what, you hear the call to prayer from the little, I don't know if you've ever been to a mosque, but they have these, menu, I think they're called minuets, and they have these like, loud speakers. And five times a day, there's a blaring call to prayer and worship. And so in these cultures, we're finding and we're seeing that houses of prayer have a unique place to stand. The tent of David, where prayer and worship is going up night and day, is having a tremendous impact on the atmosphere. So enough said. There's a lot of cool things going on in the least. I wanted to share those couple things. And, um, and so for me, it's like the question is like, well, why? Why would we go? Why do we go? Um, there's this thing called the Great Commission. And uh, some of us know it, some of us don't. It's okay. Um, but it's in Matthew um, 28. And uh, Jesus says, he, he says, all authorities come to me, and then I want you to go out to all the nations, right? Make disciples of every nation. So we talked about this. We saw this. He repeated this again in Acts chapter 1. So we're in that Acts series. So this is applicable. And, um, and he says to go out. And so John Piper says this, and this got me a couple of years ago. So I want to share this with you. 
Um, this is a quote from, from Piper, and he's, he's all, I've, I love reading his works. He loves the nations. He loves what God's doing in the nations. But this is what he says about the Great Commission. And this stung me a couple of years ago. And so ever since my heart has, uh, it's never been the same. It says, if you hear the Great Commission, you either go, you send, this is the part that stings, or you're disobedient. There's, there's, there's really, there's three responses. We either go, we're sending, or we're, we're not obeying, right? And so to go, go looks like short-term trip, maybe seven days there and back. Um, Longer-term placement, um, we work with uh, the House of Prayer. They, have, they send teams for 90 days at a time, so they can kind of get in and out, recycle, refresh, support, encourage, and, uh, and then longer-term placements. And any of the long-term placements are working with a local indigenous church. So it's never us going to them. It's us encouraging brothers in Christ, and it's the people of that nation going to the people of that nation, right? That's, that's the missional strategy. It's not we go in and we try to shift everybody's culture. There's some horror stories, right? The, the missions movement is, is we as a body encourage the local church to do the work of Christ. That's the goal. We go and we encourage, we exhort, we build up, we wash feet. That's what we do. Send through prayer. We can pray. We can give. The, the disparity in giving is insane. Um, this really struck me. It's about $450 million that go towards the unreached people groups out of the $42 trillion that comes into the church. And this is just American evangelicals. $42 trillion, only 40, 450 million going out. That's 0.001% of our giving going to global missions. That's on the globe. And it's 0.0001% that goes to that unreached people groups. The greatest need is getting the least amount of dollars. That was super convicting for me. And so I felt like the Lord encouraged me I'm going to be sending until the day I die. And there's this aspect, too, of sending where we can be hospitable. We can welcome people home. So when people come back home from a two-year stint or a five-year or a 90-day, whatever it is, there's a, there's a culture shock that happens. There's a culture shock that happens in seven days. I don't know if it's just jet lag, but uh, yesterday I could not keep my eyes open to save my life, and I've been on like three days. So, uh, but you shift. There's something that happens. You experience something that maybe not everybody else in this room has experienced. And so you've got to come back. And you've got this like, man, you're so excited and fired, but not everybody's on the same page. And that's okay. So you have to learn how to kind of shift back into culture. Like that fire's not going to stop burning, but maybe how I communicate it will be a little bit different. So um, that, enough said about that. Do you all kind of get the, was that helpful, encouraging? We're on mission, right? The Great Commission is our mission. And so there's two verses that really stand out. And then I'm going to jump into the, to the text this morning. Um, Malachi 1.11 says that, in every nation, and you look this verse up, it's awesome. I'm going to kind of paraphrase here. Um, basically, there will be prayer. Incense will rise from the rising of the sun to the setting. Incense will rise in every nation. Malachi 1.11. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, so look it up. But that is a promise. That is a fact. That will happen. It will happen. It's not happening yet because there's a lot of people that don't know about him, and there's a lot of people that aren't worshiping him and giving him their praise, right? But it will happen. This will happen. The Lord, one thing he spoke to me very clearly throughout this trip is that he fulfills his promises. He, he does it. He does it. And he likes to do it with us. Um, and then Matthew 24, 14, it says that the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, this isn't just, just salvation. That's an awesome part of the gospel, right? It is a huge part. But the gospel of the kingdom is, we're talking creation, fall to when he comes back, right? Like it's the whole picture, right? The gospel of the kingdom of God. It says, will be preached to every nation, and then the end will come. This will happen. This will happen. It's not 
if it happens, maybe it'll happen. This will happen. And so what my heart's been stirred is, is that if this is going to happen, then I, I want in, right? It's an invitation. If God's going to do it with or without, I want in. Because when I get before the throne in heaven, when my days are done and I stand before the Lord, I know I'm going to stand before him, but I want to have so much reward to put at his feet and to lay down at his feet because he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. It says in Revelation chapter 5, it says he's worthy of all honor, all power, all glory, all wealth, all wisdom. Those are the things he's worthy of. And so I want to have a, a truckload to dump at the feet of Jesus. So I'm not going to miss out. This is an invitation. It's not a have to, it's a get to, right? It's a get to. We get to do this. And so the organization I went with, I'll share with anybody that wants after the service. I just have to be guarded with my language. Um, um, that's their mantra is we get to do this. And so my heart is church that we would, we would get to do this with the Lord. This is going to happen. And may the Lord stir our hearts so much so that our only response is we get to do this. We get to do this. We get to follow Jesus. We get to run with him. We get to do it. We get it. Like he's invited us in. And so I want everything. Everything that's at the table, I want it. I want everything that's at the table. And so that's my heart for you all this morning is that you would also, he's inviting us in. So come to the table and get it. Like, amen? All right, come on. So let's jump into this text. We're in Acts chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read 1 through 22. It's going to be a little bit of a blitz, but uh, I love reading together. So let's, let's do our best, right? Let's jump in here. So, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas and the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all were who of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who is healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, 
they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is, is Jesus incarnate. It's alive. It's a living, active. It's, Lord, it divides between soul and spirit. And so, God, I just ask that as we, as we dig into your word, Holy Spirit, that you would come with power, that you'd have room this morning to divide that which is not of your spirit, God, to separate the things that aren't aligning with you, that aren't aligning with your word. And God, that you just do some work on our hearts, God. I invite you, God, would you give us ears to hear your word and, uh, Lord, eyes to see Jesus rightly as we sang about this morning. We'd see the beauty of Jesus. And, God, we ask that you give us a heart, God. Would you do something in our hearts where our heart desires you, it desires to obey, it desires to, Lord, to lay our lives down before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. That was a good passage, right? It's a long haul, so thanks for sticking with me. We did it. Um, so I'm not of any, aware of any other religion that preaches resurrection from the dead as like the core tenet. And um, that's a huge differentiator between our gospel, right? Between the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus, he died and he rose again. He lived the perfect life, something that none of us could do. See, the uncreated God, I mean, just go back to the beginning, right? He was hovering over the waters. I love this picture. Jesus, was, God was hovering in, in that moment. The Trinity was there, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Godhead. And, um, and he speaks a word, right? It's by his word that all things were created. Is that, you all tracking with me? So by the word of God, all things are created. And, uh, and I read it this morning, Psalm 29, there's six different times. It says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. It's majestic. It has the power to break things, create things. And so the uncreated God speaks into existence and he creates all of creation. He creates us. And to many, that's pretty offensive, right? Because that means that there's a God. And I'm not God. And I think that's where, you know, we see it happen in the garden, right? Uh, the, the knowledge of good and evil, right? I, I wanted to be the one judging God, right? As, as Adam, that, that's kind of the position he took when he ate of the fruit. Um, and so our words matter. The, the word of the Lord matters, but also he says that our words matter, right? It says there's life and death and the power of the tongue, right? So when we're speaking, it's good to have the word of God going through us so that we can produce life, hopefully, in the things that we're speaking about. And so, and we see this passage, John 1, that the word was from the beginning. And so what I'm really focusing on here is the resurrection from the dead is in Jesus's name. And so that's kind of where I want us to start, that first passage about where they're speaking to the people. I love it. Um, you see the scene here is the Sadducees and the chief priests, they're annoyed, right? And why are they annoyed? It's because they're preaching in a name and a power and an authority that, that is kind of bypassing them, if you will, right? I mean, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had some level of authority over the people, and here they are, they're preaching in the name of Jesus. And I got to be thinking, like, if I'm one of the Pharisees or Sadducees or one of these guys here, I'd be pretty, like, frustrated because I worked really hard 
to put this dude to death, and he's not dead. Like, just think about that, right? Like, you got to understand, like, I mean, we want to have some empathy here, too, for, like, what they're feeling. Why are they coming on so hard? Why is the attack so aggressive? It's because they just worked so hard, right? You know how many times in the temple they were, right? Like, by what authority are you doing this, Jesus? And he'd ask them a question they couldn't answer it. And they're like, well, he's like, I'll tell you when you can answer the question. And they're like, well, either the people will stone us or they'll say we're heretics. So um, we'll go with, uh, we're going to shut our mouths, right? And so here they have, they've accomplished their goal. They were able to crucify him. And yet now there's like hundreds of people running around saying that he's alive. And that his name, which I love Saju's message last week, huh? Whoo, stirred my heart and uh, raised the expectations in my heart for what God can do in our midst. And so, but the name, the powerful name of Jesus I mean, they're, they're frustrated, right? And so Jesus, he doesn't stay in the grave. And so we have these same leaders who crucified him. They're now questioning Peter. And so it says that they arrested him and they put him in custody until the next day. So that's verse three and four. But many of those who heard the word believed it. And the number of men came to about 5,000. So that's verses three and four. I love this phrase. It says, but many of those who heard the word believed. I think that's super important for us to take away this morning that, um, in Romans um, chapter 9, and we'll, we'll jump into this, says, um, that the word is near you. So Romans 10, 8 through 10, it says the word, of, the word is near you. It's talking about the word of God. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Because if you confess with your what? Mouth. And you believe what? In your heart, right? That Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from what? The dead, Right? then you will be what? Saved, right? That's, that's salvation. Salvation is a confession with my mouth, a belief in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that he is raised from the dead. That's it. It's that simple. That's the gospel I preach to my children all the time. I'm like, guys, come on. We got, we're going to confess with our mouth. God, help you to believe in your heart. And as you call upon his name, the resurrected king, you'll be saved, right? I mean, that's the beauty. That's the gospel message. And we got to know that. Why do we have to know that? Because there's a lot of people that don't know it, right? And the gospel is powerful. When we speak the word of God. And so it says for in Romans 10, 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it, then it continues with this beautiful language. And so again, we're tying this back to they heard the word of the Lord, right? And then they believe. So there's this hearing that has to happen. And, uh, and in, there's a couple of Old Testament passages, Isaiah 52, verse 7, Nahum 1, verse 15. But basically, you've got this picture. Put this imagery on me. You guys know Ephesians chapter 6, right? Put on the armor. So we got the armor of God. It says, put on the shoes of readiness, right? So we're ready. And it says, with the gospel of peace. So there's this aspect of readiness where we're putting on readiness. We're ready to share the gospel of peace at any time. And, uh, and in Romans 10, if you keep reading through that, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news, right? There has to be a going. There has to be a, a feet going to bring the good news. And so that's why my heart is burning with this message this morning is because there's 2.3 billion people who've never heard. There's 2.3 billion people that have never had a witness. There's never been feet that have graced those people groups to share the word, right? To speak the word, to speak the word. And so faith comes from what? Hearing, hearing. So that's why we want to preach the word to ourselves, to our children, to each other, to, to myself. Like as much as I'm preaching to you this morning, I'm preaching to me. Like I need to believe this word in my heart so that it takes root and so that um, faith will be birthed in my heart. And so just to demonstrate the power of this word, those who heard the word believed, and that was after they put him in jail. Just think about that for a minute, right? Like Peter and John, they get put in jail, but the word they had just spoken, it was powerful enough 
to bring these people to salvation without them having to lead them in some salvation prayer, right? It says they, they believed. They came to the Lord in that moment. So that's powerful. And the gospel is powerful. The message we have is powerful. And so if we're just faithful just to speak it in our weakness, right? Because Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, right? He says he, God uses the weak things, right, of the world. He says, my gospel didn't come to you with, um, with, with arguments, right, and knowledge. It came to you with a demonstration of power, right? In Thessalonians, as he's before the Thessalonians, chapter 1, it says that the gospel comes with a demonstration of power. It says it comes with the Holy Spirit, and then it says it comes with deep conviction. There's three things right there with the gospel. When it comes, it comes in power. It comes with the Holy Spirit, because the gospel isn't complete without the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts chapter 2, right? It says that uh, repent, believe, right? Repent, be baptized, and then be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That's, that's the, the fullness of that gospel message. And, so, and then it comes with deep conviction. The gospel message cuts you to the quick when you begin to think about your depravity. That's hard. Like, I don't like thinking about my sin. I'd rather just like brush it under the rug. I'd rather not have to deal with it. But the reality is when we begin to think about our sin, it's a little depressing. But it's a good, it's a good depressing because we need to look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid for it in blood. And he gave his life for it. And so as we think about that, then we, our eyes are lifted up to the resurrected king. You all with me? Tracking? That jet lag may be catching up with me. So if I start, you know, if, if, just wake me up. Give me a shout, a hallelujah, what's up? Um, so the voice of the Lord, I, I, I just keep going back to Psalm 29. And I would encourage you, just look through that psalm this week. Um, but it's, it's, it's powerful. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And so when we speak and the voice of the Lord is speaking through us and those who hear, they, they come to belief. So let's continue forward. Um, Acts 4, 5 through 8. Says the next day the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together with Annas and the high priest Caiaphas and John and Alexander. So these were the high priestly family. These were the ones who basically like pushed Pilate to crucify Jesus. They said, "Hey, we want we want the murderer." And uh, I was reading an interesting thing about how um, in Levitical sacrifice, actually a friend of mine sent it to me, and he was talking about how um, the sin offering there would be two goats they bring, and uh, and one of them would go free, and then one of them would would be the sacrificial, like it would be the sin offering, if you will. And so you look at this, you see this interesting picture, Barabbas and Jesus, Barabbas, Jesus, actually, I think was his name. If you look at the text, there's two people that are before Pilate and they ask for Barabbas to go free and Jesus goes to the cross. How, what beautiful imagery is that? Like the Lord, like he, from the beginning, that was his plan. There would be two, two Jesuses. I mean, his name's Barabbas, right? And, and the murderer goes free, and Jesus goes to the cross. So there's, that's just beautiful, beautiful picture. It just came to my mind as I was thinking. But um, these are the same ones who crucified Jesus. And so when they set him in their midst, they begin to ask. And there's two things here that really stick out. By what power and by what name do you do this? Why is that important? Why is what power, what name, why is that important? It's a matter of authority, Right? It takes me back to Matthew 21, 23, when the, the chief priests and elders, they came to Jesus and he was teaching and they questioned his authority, right? When Jesus started his ministry, right? It says the people were astonished at his teaching in Mark 1 because he taught with what? Authority, right? Not as the, <laughs> not as the scribes. Dude, that's a blow right there, right? I mean, like this dude's preaching with authority. Like we're gonna go over here, right? Like anytime you experience that in your life, like it's a little, like it's a little discouraging. Um, so I could, I could feel it. I, I got a heart for the Pharisees this morning. I don't know why, but um, I do. Like I mean, they, they had the, they, every, the, what they had been looking for, for 
centuries is here in front of them. Like there's, there's a gravity to this that's heavy. What they've been looking for, and they're still looking for it. One of the most powerful experiences during this, this trip was at the end of the, the prayer time, there was a three-hour segment that was led by the House of Prayer in Israel. And the Israel House of Prayer has these huge windows, and it looks over the Mount of Olives. And they're, they're singing and they're praying from this House of Prayer, and they're praying. And the last hour, there's this beautiful unity that began to happen where Israel began to sing and pray over the church and for believers in the surrounding region. They begin to pray and sing. These are Messianic believers. They believe in Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. And they're singing. This is Israel, the promised people. Like there is something to that. Like it's not just like, like Israel, the promised people, the land. It's all, it's real. Like what we read in our Bible is real. Like it, their territory is real. So as they begin to pray and sing, um, you could just see like there's just like a power and anointing there. And there's, um, in this time, in this season, there's been um, established within the, the authority structure. I don't quite all understand it, but basically there's been put in, in, in authority a person who's um, in the Israeli like kind of religious system that still exists of whatever it is. And I'll get the details for everyone. Them. But basically a person who is a believer in Jesus at a high level of authority, and they're beginning to send missionaries out from Israel to other countries. This has never happened in Israel's history since a long time ago. And so in the first time in a long time, missionaries are being sent out from Israel to surrounding Arab nations. It's powerful, powerful, right? And so um, this, this authority, this name, we get back to this, this thought of authority. Um, Jesus gives his disciples the same authority in Luke 9, chapter, uh, verse 1. Authority over demons to cure diseases. In Matthew 26, 19, he says that all authority has been given to him, right? Now go. I got all the authority, guys. Now go, right? Authority is, is the, it's the power. And so um, I was reading up on this kind of thought of, of authority, and it was a good example that came to me, so I'll try to communicate to you. But it's like basically if I got kids, right, and I got a credit card, and I put my kid's name on the credit card, right, he's got authority to use the funds in that account. Now, if he goes and does something silly, <laughs> like, right, he like just goes and like blows up the credit card, like we're going to have a discussion, right? And so the beautiful thing is, is we have, I'm giving my son that power. So you look at the father, right? He gives his son Jesus all the authority. But, but you see how Jesus uses the authority? He uses it only according to the will of the Father. How many times did Jesus say that, like throughout Scripture? I do this because it's in line with the will of my Father. And so there's something beautiful there. And so as we look at them, they're annoyed, they're questioning, they're saying, by what authority and by what name, by what power and by what name did you do this? And so authority um, is essentially, it's the God-given right to review and use, to receive, to receive and use God's power that flows from the Holy Spirit, right? Because the power that Jesus operated in was the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't start his earthly ministry until what? Baptized in the dove, right? You remember that imagery? It's beautiful in the kid's Bible. It's got like a little, like beads of like water all over Jesus' face. I love it. Um, but that's, that's what happened, right? So he gets baptized. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And so then he begins to operate from that place. And so I believe that's, that's what they're questioning here. And that's saying, that's what we have we have that same power. Like it didn't just like disappear. Like we still have that same power and filling of the Holy Spirit and we get to operate in the authority that God gives us. Um, another phrase that sticks out right there is filled with the Holy Spirit. So we gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit, church. 
that's just, I'm just going to get out there and say it. We got to be filled. Like, yes, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in us at salvation, right? Like that's, the Holy Spirit is living in our hearts. We're the living temple. But there is that aspect of the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 18, I think those are up on the screen. Yep. Um, it says, awake, O sleeper. Woo! Wake up. So if you're snoozing, wake up. Uh, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And then it proceeds. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Can we all attest to that? Days are evil, right? It's just the reality ever since sin, right? Whew. And so it says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with what? The Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so as he goes on, the outflowing of that spirit is that we get songs and we're singing Thanksgiving. And so church, we got to be filled with the spirit. We got to be filled with the spirit because it's the power of God. The spirit, the Holy Spirit does a few things. He comes and he empowers. He empowers us. In Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 3, verse 14, he says, may the, may the, uh, I ask the Lord of our Father, uh, Jesus Christ, to come and, uh, and strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man. So we got to be, we got to be, we like plugged into the source. We've got to be energized. That is the power that we have. That's the power we have to love our spouses, to love our kids, to love our siblings. That's the power we need. We, that's the power we need to be able to preach the gospel, to share the gospel and love with those around us. We've got to have the power. Power! And so the Holy Spirit comes and he purifies. That's, that's his work. He brings deep conviction. He purifies our hearts, right? And then he reveals. He reveals Jesus. If I want to see Jesus, Ephesians 1, pray this over yourself every day. Jesus, come, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. 117, Ephesians 117, just put that on your, your refrigerator and begin to pray it because the Holy Spirit, what he does is he shows us who Jesus is. He shows us the immeasurable greatness of the power of God that raised who from the dead? Let me hear it. Jesus. He purifies and then he responds to our hunger. And this is the thing that stuck out to me the most as I was kind of studying up on the, the, who the Holy Spirit is, how he operates, is he does respond to hunger. There is an aspect of the Holy Spirit that we can quench, there's an aspect of the Holy Spirit that we can reject. We see the Pharisees and religious leaders doing that. They reject the work. They resist. He's, Jesus, why are you resisting? You know, um, in Acts uh, 7:51, we'll get there. But Stephen, he says to them, why are you resisting me? Why are you resisting the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit? And so there's, there's a resisting that can happen, but we want to invite the Holy Spirit. Are you all with me? Like, do you all want more of Jesus? Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be able to operate and walk in the power of God? Because I do. And I want to be a part of a family that does. And, and you know what? Not, we're not always there at that place either. There's something beautiful about the word of God. And this is why I keep going back to it. The word of God is powerful. You know why that is? I, lo- I liken the word of God to a campfire. And something about when you get close to a campfire, right? You could be freezing. Your heart could be cold. Sometimes my heart is cold. But as I get into the word of God, as I sit around that campfire, something starts to happen where I slowly begin to warm up, right? Like my heart begins to beat a little bit slower, faster, whatever it is, campfire language. And, um, but I slowly start getting warmer. And so my encouragement, exhortation is if, and I've been in this place, you feel like your heart's hard or cold towards the Lord, just start getting into the word of God. Just read it. Just read the words. Begin to just pray them out loud. Say them out loud. I don't know. Pick a book. God's word is powerful. Just pick something, right, in the word of God and just begin to read it out and just ask the Lord, Lord, would you soften my heart? Would you warm me up? 
would you warm me up to desire you more? Because the desire is not always there, right? Like it's, it can be rough some days. I may not really desire God in some moments of my day, but I want to get to that place where I'm inviting him into every aspect of my day. And so we want to receive the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we do that when we confess it with our mouths and we believe with our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And he's resurrected from the dead. And by that name, we're saved. And then Holy Spirit comes and he fills us up. Um, so verses 8 through 12, there's a lot in here. Um, we can put it on the screen. I'm just going to highlight a couple of things that stuck out. Um, not a whole lot here, but I think we sang one song this morning that I felt like was really powerful. And uh, it said, um, Jesus, you alone, you are rock, our cornerstone, right? And so again, we see the rulers of the people and the elders. Um, they're examining them. There's a miracle that's happened. They're questioning the authority. They're questioning the power. And the response is that there's only one name that saves, and that's the name of Jesus. And so Psalm 118 kind of captures that if you want to do a little deeper dive on the stone that was rejected. But again, it's the Pharisees. We do this in our own hearts, right? We reject the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so I guess my prayer would be this morning is that we would receive it. Like there's a reception that can happen in our hearts. I know my heart doesn't want, always want Jesus to be Lord. Um, I, we're going to keep moving. Is that all right? You all track with me? I don't, I don't want too many people... Uh, myself included, um, falling asleep here, right? So verse uh, 13, this is, this is one phrase that really stuck out to me. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men. And they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. That, that was the marker of their lives. The boldness empowered by the Holy Spirit but the marker of their lives is they had been with Jesus. I think, I think there's a lie in our culture, maybe even in church culture, I don't know, that spending time at the feet of Jesus is not really that important. And there's a lot of other things we could be doing for the Lord instead of being with the Lord. And I want to tell you what, I think that's a lie. I don't think that is accurate. I don't think that's truth. I think the reality is, is when Jesus talked about this gospel will be preached throughout the world, you know the one story that he said would always be told? It's the story of Mary, or the woman, who brings, right, who comes and sits at Jesus' feet. You remember that story? I don't know if you remember the story, but basically there's Martha and there's Mary. Mar Martha's like cooking up a story, doing whatever she's doing. She's doing some stuff. And Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. There is so much value in just sitting before the Lord. It is, it is ministry. It is work. It's not easy to do, but there's so much value in that. And I think we see that here because they were astonished. Like that is like, I think last week, Saji was talking about that. They were astonished. Like their expectations were low, right? But they were astonished because they weren't educated. They don't have master's degrees. You don't have to have a master's degree in theology to share the gospel. Come on, let's, let's, get, let's get past that, right? We just need faith, right? Like we just need to speak it out, right? We just need to read some scripture to someone. Like that's what happens. And so they had been with Jesus. They had been cultivating the oil of intimacy. And I think it's Matthew um, 25, 26. Um, Jesus is going through. He's talking about the 10 virgins, right? And there's, they have lamps full of oil. And that oil is the oil of intimacy, time spent with Jesus, getting to know Jesus. And there's five who don't have enough to make it to the end. And there's five who have extra and they make it through the door. And when the others return, because they went to go back and get it. So there's this, there's this picture of of intimacy with Jesus. It's important. It's valuable. And so it's, it's hard. We've got to fight for it. 
because in this culture, in this region in particular, it's really hard. Like, this is a go, 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 go town, right? Even in COVID, like, there's still some go, go, going that's happening. Stuff's got to get done. We got to do some stuff. We got to do some stuff. And sometimes I've seen it in my own personal life that the Lord has honored that time, that extra time that we begin to devote to him. Like, there's a sweetness to that. And he begins to, to, to lovingly, like, I've seen in my own workplace, I've, I, I feel like I've worked less and more has happened as I've, as I've put in more time with Jesus. And I think that's, that could be the case for all of us. There's opportunities for us to carve out and, and sit with Jesus. So it's important. And there's an importance to it. It takes childlike faith, right? What do kids want to do? On Saturdays, I'll tell you what my kids want to do. All they want to do is play with me all day. And if we're not playing something, there's like an outcry. Um, and it's okay, because I love it. I love playing with my children. I love it. We, we start off with cars. We get the trains going. And then, you know, the next thing we know, somebody's hungry. So we do a little breakfast dive. And then, but, but all day Saturday, it's, it's, they want to play. And they just want to be. They just want to be with me. They just want to be. And that's what the Lord, the Lord, that's our posture to the Lord. That's my prayer, is that our posture to the Lord would, we just want to be with him. Like it might sound, like when you hear about a house of prayer, right, where all they do for 24-7 is pray and worship and sing to the Lord, it might sound like a waste of time, but I tell you what, it's not. It's cultivating the oil of intimacy. I'm not saying all of us have that call to do that, right? Like let's not, let's not impose that on all of us, but we all have that posture in our hearts of whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it excellence unto the Lord and I'm going to cultivate the oil of intimacy. And so, I love this passage um, in Mark and Matthew 11. I, I think I'm going to wrap up here. Um, how are we doing? Let me just ask you that. How are you doing? You hanging in there? Okay. Do you feel like you're receiving from the Lord? Okay. Good. Um, I'm just going to highlight a couple of things here. This is a long chunk, so you you are amazing. Um, verse 14 through 19. You can just put that on the screen. Uh, I'm just going to highlight two two or three things here, real quickly. Um, I call this section the uh, the butts of the enemy. And um, so I hope that will stick out with you. But there's like four or five butts in here. Like, and, and it's all about um, what the enemy wants to do. So first we see the, the enemy or these, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the enemy's working through them, right? He's trying to, um, to waylay, op- oppose the word, right? So we see, that, um, we see that a notable sign has happened and they're asking each other, like, guys, we can't deny this. Like, they're like, back up over here. Okay, right, let's like, let's talk. Like, uh, so has this really happened? And we can't, we can't deny it. So what do we do, right? So that's the number one. Like the enemy wants to deny the work of God in our lives. When something notable happens, you're going to meet opposition. So when you experience the power of God moving in your life in a powerful way, just expect to meet some opposition. You might meet it from church people. Like that's painful. I've met it from church people. I'm sure some of you have. Like we church people sometimes are like, like our biggest, worst enemies, right? Like they, we let them be like, have a heyday through us sometimes. And so that's why we want to be guarded in our words. And we want to, when people share something, experience they've had, we want to just listen. We want to be faithful to listen, right? Um, we don't want to deny it because God works in our lives all in different ways, right? We're all running a race. It's not about comparing our races to each other. We want to run the race that God's called us to run. Um, the second thing is they're like, well, we can water down the message. So we can't like, so let's tell them, just don't, you can preach, but just don't preach in Jesus's name. Like, Preach all you want, but just don't say the name Jesus. So the enemy loves to water down the message if he can. And he's, he's done that. We see that in our own culture, in our church in America. The message gets watered down, right? We end up with this, uh, it could be whether it's hyper grace, right? Just everything's good. Like you're saved. You're in the kingdom. Do whatever you want, right? This hyper grace movement. Um, so it waters down the gospel. 
and then they threaten, right? So when it, it's not effectively being watered down, um, when they can't deny it, then they're just going to threaten, right? I don't think we've experienced that in our culture, but I, I tell you what, I just came from some cultures where you do experience that. Your life is on the line. You're threatened with life and death um, to, to pursue Jesus. So those are a couple of butts to the enemy, right? He'll try to deny the work. He'll try to water down the message. He'll threaten you. And if he can, he'll punish, right? And who knows? We may face a day in our nation. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, we're speaking the name of Jesus and preaching the name of Jesus comes with a consequence. Right now, it, it's, it doesn't. It might feel a little awkward. Some people might be annoyed. Why does he keep talking about Jesus? Why does he keep praying for people? Why, why, why? Um, I don't think, I don't know if all of us are experiencing that, but um, here and there. Acts 20 through 22, um, their response, right? And this is powerful. It says, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So when we see the crucified king risen again, we can't, we can't. We just have to talk about it. Hopefully we have to talk about it, right? Um, it, otherwise, you know, the enemy's having, he, he's, he's winning. And so we don't want him to win. We want the kingdom of God to advance. It says that they further threatened him, finding no way to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened because um, this man was more than 40 years old. And so I think one of the things that highlights here is that it's better to obey the Lord. And I'm not talking about like from a political standpoint. We're not going to get political with this. We're going to say it's better to obey what the Lord is saying to do in our lives than it is to just silently sacrifice. We see this as Saul, right? He was the first chosen king of Israel and he disobeyed the Lord. And so Samuel's rebuke to him was that, um, that has the Lord a great delight. So let me just lay the context for it real quick. Um, Saul is on the brink of battle with the Philistines and Samuel, the prophet, is supposed to come and sacrifice, hear from the Lord, and then we're going to go out and destroy the enemy, right? Samuel's not showing up. Saul is like getting fidgety. He's like, okay. And so some of the guys in the camp, like he's a little bit afraid. He's got this fear of man thing going on. Anybody identify with fear of man? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can. I do. Fear of man's a real thing, right? We're afraid of what people will think of us. And so Saul, he's like, you know what? I'll do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the sacrifice myself. I'll take the role of Samuel. And that was not his role. The Lord had made it very clear. And so he disobeys the Lord. It's in 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23. He says, um, and so Samuel comes to him and he says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and listen and to listen to the fat of the rams for rebellion is the sin of divination, witchcraft and presumption is his iniquity and idolatry. But you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king. And so I think we see that a lot in my own life, right? There's this tension between, am I gonna obey the word of the Lord? And so as the word of the Lord is coming this morning, I just want us to, to hear God's voice because that's the one thing that I think is the most powerful thing this morning for us to take away is to hear the voice of the Lord. And whatever he says, just be faithful to do it because you can all hear the voice of the Lord. I don't know if you believe that, but the truth is, is if you know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, you can hear the voice of the Lord. There's a lot of things fighting for the atmosphere to kind of dull the signal down, right? You got that 5G going on that new iPhone and you roll into a 4G spot, and you're like, man, come on, why aren't my text messages going through? I, why can't I listen to my music? Like, there's a lot of stuff in the atmosphere fighting. And so if you're like, man, I'm having trouble hearing the voice of the Lord, turn on some worship music. Like, route that stuff. It just, what it does is it amplifies the signal, right? Get some praise going. Get some high praise. Jesus, you're worthy. Jesus, just start exalting the name of Jesus, right? Because I want to hear the voice of the Lord, and then I want to obey it and do it. And, uh, and we see this stark contrast where David and the kids and I were reading this yesterday morning, but it, there's a verse that stuck out to me. It says that the, that the spirit of the Lord left Saul and the Lord sent an evil spirit to torment him. Don't want to get into the theological implications of that. We'll save that for another day. Um, but it says the spirit of the Lord 
rushed upon David. It rushed upon him. And we see that happening where? Pentecost, right? It came like a mighty rushing wind. It was a rushing upon David and he was anointed. And so I want us this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team. Come on up. Let's just engage the Lord for a few minutes here. You all right with that? Um, hopefully something here has stirred your heart and stuck out. Um, if anything, um, it would be, let's just hear from the Lord this morning. Let's hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us because I think that's, that's what I desire the most. Like I was asking the Lord, I was like, man, I want to like, I want to see somebody healed. I want to see, I want to see this stuff happening. Like what we're seeing in Acts, like I want to see it happening. And I, I believe I will. I think, believe we will. I believe we will see um, people healed of sickness in this house. I think some people have already seen it. Um, I think we will see people delivered of demonic oppression. Um, I know I've seen that in my own life and in others. Um, I think we're going to see the things that Jesus talked about. But when I asked the Lord, like, man, demonstration of power, what does that look like? The voice of the Lord is powerful. If I were to experience the power of God, his voice can do what nothing else can do. Because it's his voice that made this man whole, that raised him up. It was the name of Jesus Christ. It was his voice that created the uncreated world, right? And so let's just enter into that place. We're going to worship for a few minutes, but I really want us to ask the Lord to come and speak to our hearts this morning. Like I really want you, transit family, my brothers and sisters, I want you to hear from the Lord. I want you to hear his voice speaking to your heart. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be that I love you, <laughs> the Father. It's one of my favorites. So I'm just going to pray for you this morning. The team's going to lead us into this worship song. And just sit in your seats. You can stand and sing, whatever you want to do. But I want to encourage you, ask the Lord this question. Ask him, God, what is your heart for me? How do you see me? What do you want to give me? Just engage with the Father, those questions. God, what's your heart for me? So God, I just pray this morning as we worship, as we exalt your name, as we remember who you are. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you come and speak to your bride. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would you come and empower us this morning? Would your word come with power? Would we be reminded of maybe a scripture or a promise? Would you give us a, a picture, God, of your heart towards us? God, we want our ears to be open to what you're saying. God, would you just shine the light of your face towards us this morning? God, I just ask, Lord, where there's like Saul and he was blinded by your light and there was like scales over his eyes. God, I pray you just, you just touch our eyes this morning. God, that we would see you as you are. We would see you rightly. God, we'd be able to fix our eyes on Jesus. That you are the author and the finisher of our faith, God. Would you remind us, God, of the words you've spoken? Would you, you bring everything that you've promised to completion? It's what you do. So Jesus, we just ask this morning that you'd help us. Like Colossians chapter 3 says that if we've been raised with Jesus Christ, that we would see the things that are above. God, help us to see the things that are above, that are above circumstances, that are above relational tension, 
God, be above our own ungodly beliefs. God, would you help us to see the things that are above where Jesus Christ, you're seated at the right hand of God. God, would you set our minds on things that are above. God, thank you that we're hidden with Christ and God. That Jesus, when you appear, we're going to appear with you. God, would you make us a people that carry your presence and that desire to sit at your feet. God, would you quiet our souls this week, that our souls would be like David said, they'd be like a weaned child within me. God, would our souls be quieted. We would be still and know that you are God. crazy. Church, be blessed this morning. May the presence of God, the living God, empower you this morning. Would you experience the power of the Holy Spirit this week in your families, in your workplaces? And just, just look at him. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. Amen? Come on. Amen, amen.